0: The focus here is to help you find the strength and support to help you feel lighter, happier, more positive, and in a better frame of mind to face the inevitable challenges of your current journey. Okay, welcome back to the Do Divorce Right podcast. Today I have Australia's best kept money secret on the podcast. Jackie, it's so great to have you here. I'm really delighted that you accepted my request to interview you. Let me give them. Listeners, a little bit of an introduction, So, and you can correct me and and add some colour to it in a minute. But Jackie has been a financial advisor to some of the most successful and wealthy families in Sydney, helping them to not only build wealth, but also divide it when it comes to separation and divorce. Jackie's recently put so much of her decades of experience in financial wealth building into a fabulous book called Stop Worrying About Money. And as soon as I saw that title, I thought, I need to talk to this lady. Jackie, welcome. Thanks for being here.
1: Thanks, Becca. It's a real privilege to be here today. I'm quite excited to talk to you because I want to do as much as I can to help people do divorce right. Beautiful. Oh, my God, I love that.
0: And (laughs) listen, I wanted to ask you not necessarily about your years and years of experience because that's less exciting than...
1: What drew you to
0: write this book?
1: Great question, and it is apart from all of those years of experience, is having so much wisdom. The main thing for me was to be able to share my experience much more broadly. So, to be fair, and you sort of called it out at the start, is I've got a relatively narrow audience, and by that I mean I have worked with Australia's wealthiest families. So but I've learned a lot along my journey in life personally and professionally, and I wanted the opportunity just to share it with so many more people, and the best way seemed to be to put it in a book.
0: Yeah, beautiful.
1: Yeah. Great. And you launched just recently, didn't you? I did, uh, May this year. Actually, wow. there's probably a little backstory too that I should share with you, which Sweet. is after spending a 30-year career in professional services. So I'd been a partner at Deloitte for 20 years, and I would decided to branch out from my career there and that was at the end of 2019 very timely just before the pandemic and I had um appointed an executive coach to help me work through what life was going to look like after Mm -hmm. and really came out of that conversation with her just this incredible I've got this sort of incredible desire to help people but there's just only so many hours in a day and that's actually how the book I feel the same way yes
0: yes yeah Amazing. So it's through working with your coach that you decided,
1: does that mean during COVID, you put your head down and you put all of your knowledge into this book? Um, I wish. It wasn't that soon. So it was over that period of time. So unfortunately, I was really writing when things were just picking up again. So (laughs) it was definitely a dampener on my social life. um, But you weren't allowed to, yeah, not allowed to leave the house again.
0: <laughs> um, I also think it's really fascinating that you have a blended family we don't necessarily have to go there if you prefer not to but the idea that you and your partner are raising five boys is quite incredible too Um possibly you- the hardest job on the planet yeah <laughs> yeah raising yeah. children at all but raising a blended family with so many boys I reckon that must be really challenging.
1: It's really I mean it's massively shaped all of our lives and I I really am happy to talk about it because it's a great I guess it's the great outcome of being divorced and then remarrying. Yeah. We've been together for about 14 years now so with boys age between sort of 18 and 25. Uh We with- were little when you got together. They were- they were. So we've really grown up together as a family. And actually, the blending's been probably one of the nicest things about the blending is the relationships between the step brothers is really strong. So, in fact, there's almost better relationships because you take the sibling dynamic out when you have step relationships. They have, for example, right now, my eldest son, Jack, and my husband's youngest son, Max, are both ski instructors. Uh, at Perisher this season. Amazing. So the young, the youngest one did it, and then the oldest one went, I actually kind of like that, so left his consulting career to have a go. And we're, I guess we're encouraging it because we've all just, we've worked hard our whole lives. and <laughs> We're sort of yeah. saying the kids should have take this time. They missed a, b- a bit, obviously, with the pandemic in terms of their development. But, sure. um, yeah, we came together when the kids were really young. It was really hard. And I would say step-parenting is probably one of the most uh, trickiest things that you can do. Uh, I don't know. It's a... But so mm-hmm. worth it. I listen it. So much. It um, is part, but so worth it. So so yeah. yeah. I mean, I've spent my time and um my stepkids probably wouldn't believe it. But you know, when you plan meals, I would always still to this day, I still try and please my stepkids. more not more than my own kids, but I actually try and think more about what they would like, you know, just to I guess draw the family together. Um, yeah, so, and when we all, we've all lived together for a long time. My boys, my three sons were always with us, and my stepsons were half, uh, were on equal shared care. Okay. And actually, they kind of maintain that into their app. So even the 20 year old now still kind of goes weak about, but fits it into his schedule. Um, I'm sure that's tough for them actually when they get older and they, um, try and create a level of independence. It's hard, maybe it's tougher decisions for them. Maybe, but how
0: gorgeous that they have to safe places no matter what. I mean, it's yes. wonderful yeah. to have one and not yes. all families have that, but to have oh, two where they feel truly loved and accepted and able yes. to go, that's quite a privilege. How wonderful.
1: And look, it wasn't like that at the start. My first husband had uh, quite s- serious mental health issues. And so the arrangement was that the kids would be equal shared care. But really quickly, after we went through our property settlement, um, he said he couldn't have the kids. And that was due to health reasons. So, um, you know, I couldn't have uh, fought that battle out in court to actually get uh, the kids full time. And in the end, it worked out that way. Right. Uh, and then I had to re encourage him to spend time with the kids. Anyway, going off on a bit of a tangent there. Oh, no, no, that's fine. again, I, I well, that's beautiful that your three have
0: one very secure home with two wonderful parents and then the younger two have two secure homes and yes. other parents so yeah.
1: that sounds great and, and maybe the upside is that we have um, established a good relationship with my husband's ex-wife and her husband so the kids all kind of you know they hang out together at, at, at the ha- different houses they've been on holidays together kind of all those things some of it might seem a bit weird but um, now, it's now you're just showing off. Yes, okay, but not so only nice is nice she it,
0: incredibly <laughs> she's written a book, she's got an incredible relationship with her husband's ex-wife. You're yes, yes, <laughs> yes. ticking all the boxes.
1: But I think on the flip side, I've had the acrimonious um, relationship with my ex-husband, and that's yeah. really tough. So if you yeah. get a glimmer of the opportunity to have a good relationship, oh my goodness, take it. It's yeah, so much better. And yeah, there's all the little usual. There's reasons why people aren't married anymore, or reasons why other people are together. But if you can get past that, um, boy, it's so much easier to, 100%. to always focus together on the kids. Yes. Is um, and that's exactly why I do what I do. And sometimes I have a little bit of a, a wobble
0: because my relationship with my ex husband is no good. Like there is there is no relationship there, and it's awful. And um, and sometimes I think, well, how can I possibly coach people to have good relationships and encourage them to have good relationships. But it's because mine has been so awful and I know that whatever it takes to make it work and to make it possible, it's worth it.
1: You absolutely have to rise above all of the nitty-gritty rubbish. Absolutely. To it to work. There's lots of things about, um, and I'm, if you listen to this podcast, <laughs> lots of things about my husband's ex-wife that maybe aren't right to me, but so what? Like at exactly. the end of the day, all we're trying to do is make sure that we raise five decent sons who are good, tr- treat women well, um, know how to have relationships, try and role model. That this, I say to my kids all the time, um, please be like this. <laughs> If you get divorced, like please talk to try and have a relationship with your former spouse, please, because it just mate. Anyway, it makes life. I can't say how much. Well, it's so much easier. So let's talk some about some of your clients then, because yes. you've seen the good
0: and the bad of division of assets. Now, is it any uglier when there's high net worth involved, or is it just as terrifying? And you know, I. I Would you know? Like, would you know the difference between, like, the high net worth division? I would. And I
1: would. Because, Becca, one of the things I did throughout my career was I always helped people out, people around me. So whilst I had clients who who paid me for advice, I also helped a lot of people, um, partners in the business I was in, um, business associates, colleagues, friends, you name it. Beautiful. (laughs) And look, to be honest, where there's money, there's evil uh, in relationships, and it doesn't matter whether you have a million dollars or $500 billion to split, perhaps yeah. the sophistication of the structures and the systems around the greater wealth uh, is more significant and more complex and harder to get your head around, but the issues are the same. At the end so of the day, the, the emotions are exactly the same, like the fear, of um, not knowing particular details, um, perhaps not having the relationships with advisors, all those things are exactly the same. So I think there's the good, the bad, the ugly. Most of, most of what I see is the ugly side and that's another reason why I wrote the book because I'm trying to encourage all Australians to take financial responsibility because where I see it um, really exposed is when relationships break down. Absolutely, When people are going through a relationship breakdown, you're already dealing with... So whether you're the one who's choosing to exit or whether it's being forced upon you or quite frankly, you've, you've woken up one day and realised that this, this needs is not to, for me. this is not for me. Mm. You've already got so many other emotions and you're dealing with the impact on family, relationships, kids, friends, your network, your work, everything. And the last thing you need to be doing is, oh my goodness, I don't know whose name the house is in. I don't know who owns those shares. Where are the I don't records? even know if there are shares. Where are the records? The the mm-hmm. classic one that I often come across is that people don't know what their spouses earn um and particular like executives where they might have stock options bonuses again don't know what all of that means anyway so you've got this huge learning so you're dealing with everything's about to change in your life you've got one family home you've probably got a decent mortgage against it what does life look like for you when you're contemplating this separation it's really overwhelming and if you're already got if you're starting from ground zero in terms of the financial aspects of your relationship boy that's a lot of work Absolutely. So how how does someone stop worrying about it? <laughs> <laughs> Great segue. Look, <laughs> it's not easy to stop worrying about it initially, but the most important thing I say to people is you need to get your ducks in a row, of course. So naturally, if I was contemplating exiting a relationship, I would probably start doing some homework. There's lots of things Don't to get done. And yeah. you want you want to have someone account some a counselor or somebody around you. Sorry for that interruption.
0: No worries, didn't even
1: hear it. It's all good. Um, do, you do, you want
0: to have... to do you need to pause? No, walk? I was just
1: worried my dog was going to start yelling because the mm-hmm. alarm went off on the gate. Rusty, can you sit down? Rusty, sit.
0: sit, sit, sit oh,
1: now sit. I want to meet Rusty. He's on the move. Yeah, so <laughs> I just, If you wanted to cut that all, we'll just keep going. <laughs> all
0: right.
1: The main thing is uh, in terms of getting your house in order, doing your homework, like I would think, having a counsellor is the most important thing too, right? Like having somebody who's taking this journey with you is so critical. That's one aspect. And I guess there's the emotional, the physical, and then there's the financial. So um, understanding what it costs to run your household. So Mm -hmm. I talk a lot about this open the front door costs. So understanding what it costs to run the household that you're in. All of this will come up, as you well know, once you walk in the door of a lawyer's room They get their bit of notepad out and they want to know the assets, and they want to know the incomes, and then they want to know the rough estimate of your expenditure. And you're like, "Hang on, let me come back to you." I haven't looked at the grocery
0: bill in a while, or
1: or I don't know where the certificates are. Yeah, and and and, and that's right. So doing your do, it's like you're doing due diligence on a relationship, like on a business, but you now need to turn your mind to all these financial aspects. And the reason why I talk about understanding the open the front door costs is actually getting clear what it's going to be like for you to manage and what your needs are beyond this relationship. Yeah, absolutely. Like when you, like I, I left the family home, I went into um, a rental property, so I had rent to pay, raising three kids, I needed to buy furniture and cutlery and everything, the whole box and dice. Um, So running two homes. Is expensive on a relationship anyway absolutely is yeah yeah so if you have no understanding of the baseline costs I think when you start to negotiate you're perhaps in a weaker position and and, and that's why I suggest that people get a really good handle on knowing what their costs are now fair, fair enough we can't all you can't have the relationship and the money too there does need to be because one of the things I do experience is that when people are contemplating divorce and they don't want the relationship but they want the money to continue. Yeah, yeah. no. It doesn't. That doesn't quite work that way. And no. look, the courts will do a bit of a job if you end up going down that process of making it we don't month. want anybody to have to do. No, but but you actually don't want to be I personally think the worst thing is relying on um cash source from a spouse. For an extended period of time, because it keeps you tied in this horrible um, tug power of war. Will yeah. the money come? Won't the money yeah. come? And you're you're like treading water in life.
0: And they have some power over you. There's a dynamic there. Yeah.
1: And who needs um, that?
0: Right. We definitely don't want to rely on it. No. It's nice to have. It's good to have some support. You know, it's good to have actually just accountability for your children. So have somebody. Suggesting that they do need to pay for for yes. the children, however, relying on that makes you quite vulnerable. Yeah. And um, So we do want to help people create wealth of their own for sure.
1: Yeah. And I think that's why I say starting with those steps, understanding all of the aspects of the financial the financial aspects of your relationship is a really helpful way to get you to start focusing on what what will this look like for me yeah. as a single yeah. person first. Um, what what are the n- minimum needs I have? And, and if there's kids, what are the minimum needs of the kids that need to be met? How will those be met? Yes. In, in term, if you're working, um, I, I always have. So for me, um, it was just understanding what the difference was in my outgoings now that as a single mum. Uh, what what other support networks I needed? So, for example, I needed to have some help at home. Okay, and care and yeah. What are the costs of that? I had um, what's called a house manager. In fact, retain that right That's through my blended family because we couldn't possibly run our careers and a household of five boys without full time help at home. It was Amazing, wasn't going to happen. <laughs> in I fact, had that in Singapore, I lived in Singapore
0: for sixteen years. And having home help has just been wonderful. It's
1: not something I can afford in Australia yet, but how wonderful. I hear great stories always about Singaporean um, support, actually, which a lot of people love, but they come back here and it's a massive shock in Australia when you can't, well, it's it's a full-time salary at home of somebody. So it's... Yeah. You it learn sense to sense. live without it. You teach your children yes. to do more housework than they've ever done before.
0: <laughs> They're fine. They'll be well adjusted. Yes. Um, let's come back to these steps. So we were talking about, first of all, the discovery and really understanding what the assets are. Uh, And then we went on to the costs and understanding what the costs of your household are. Can I just go back a moment to the discovery? Um, Do you have any suggestions on how can people find out? I mean, I'm not sure if this is your area of expertise or I need to talk to somebody differently about this, but how would one go about finding where the assets are or uh, stock options, for example?
1: It's a look, it's a great question, and I'm relying on people having some knowledge of who knows that information. So, one of the things I talk incessantly about is a personal finance village. Okay, so having a group of people around you that is across this information. So, of course, naturally, if there's no alarm bell being sounded and you have an accountant and perhaps your spouse um, is talking to them more than you are, there's no reason why you can't pick up the phone and say, look, I'm just getting myself organised here. Can you tell me about, you know, Jimmy's options or whatever it might be, or can you explain those to me? But I just talk about personal finance village for me, what that's about for all of us is having a trusted sounding board or a group of people that we can tap into on predominantly financial matters. So people think about accountants, lawyers, um, yes, financial advisors. Mortgage brokers. Um, buyers agents that sort of that whole network network of people I would probably add into that people like executive coaches or counselors or psychologists because our relationship to money is also quite relevant because one of the things that I um, which drove me in part also um, with this title Stop Worrying About Money was financial security was something that I think gets completely blown up when you're going through a divorce. Like you're going through this life, you've bought this home, you've got these kids. And you know, sort of nicely and just goes. Poof! Yeah. And then you're like, okay, now no home. Uh half the income that we had. Uh like feeling like we're starting it gone. They're blown up with the lawyers, whatever it might be. So mm-hmm. um and we must talk about my concept of um equal unhappiness. I'm just thinking about that in the context. I will write that down. <laughs> we will come back to Unhappiness is really how I coach my clients when it comes to these issues around divorce and separation, that you need to be prepared for that to get a good outcome here. Absolutely. So, I mean, I talk about
0: there, there is no winner. There's no winner in divorce. It's, it's not that if they get the house, they win, or if you get the children, you win. There is no winner here. So I love the idea of equal unhappiness because it does just set that, expectation that oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no exactly
1: stop fighting for the win because yeah. there isn't one won't get one no, no. that's 100 percent right and I've got look I've got a great story on that as well mm-hmm. uh, I did meet a lovely lady who um, I met unfortunately at the end of the process who had fought tooth and nail to keep the family home which was a 15 million dollar property you know Beautiful. North Shore Sydney um, but that was all she got so she couldn't afford to upkeep it. No. No, not so that you have to anyway. oh, sell it anyway. and I think people get and oh, so right. this is this is the hardcore aspect, I think, of separation and divorce is that you need to make a decision that the emotional connection to the beautiful family home that you've the blood, sweat, and tears have gone into that the kids have been raised in. I actually think that it's better to break the nexus with that for the kids, because you do want to signal that hopefully you're taking them into a better environment, yes, with their parents separated, and hopefully their parents will be happier as well yeah, separate. Yeah, you almost yeah. want to signal a difference. Yeah. Staying in the family home, I've seen lots of people do it and I see that it it's great. It's a transitionary thing. It's maybe a three-year transitionary thing. But if you fight tooth and nail for that house as the share of the assets and the other half walks away with the cash and the shares and whatnot and you get the house yeah exactly how do you live yeah you can't afford to pay the council rates.
0: also it's not great for children to see the other person in a small flat if you've got this big beautiful 15 million million dollar home not necessarily that's how it would play out but agreed that this lovely idea of signaling a positive difference i remember when we spoke to the children when when we separated my children were two and four two and five like really really little And we we both agreed beforehand how we were going to talk about it and what we were going to do. So we'd done the work behind before the conversation. And we were able to say to the kids, you know, daddy's moving into a house that has a a condo that actually has four pools. And isn't that incredible? And mommy's moving into this condo that you already know people who live there you know, and when they when they saw their new homes for the first time, there was a dollhouse there, and there was a truck there, and like there were gifts in the homes. It was like this really positive. Like, I get two houses now, you know, and I get two, you know, and happy. Yeah, parents- some of
1: our kids still talk about the the lots of presents at Christmas. One yeah of, one right? of, i get two christmases like, this is such a good deal we get two <laughs> okay. lots of everything yeah, exactly. don't, like don't get used that. to it children.
0: No, no, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. um so i love that signaling a really positive difference um yes. and your story about the the client who got the house but wasn't able to support it like that is that is not
1: i no, and that and that you. would it's not, and that would also be a sign that perhaps coming back to that personal finance village, that the sounding boards or the people she had around, and it was a woman yeah. in this case, the people she had around her weren't actually recognising, and this is the thing, you need to be looking f- much further forward when Agreed. you're going through the process, right? Because there's a point in time hopefully where um, the kids are older like mine are now um, and there's not really an ongoing, well, there's no no financial um, relationship at all with the other parents, yeah. Um, but there's contributions you make to kids in different ways. Things shift quite monumentally um, as you move on, and you become very independent, and your life is your own in in your new marriage or new relationship or single, whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, and it feels like it takes a long time, but
0: then all of a sudden you're looking back and thinking, "Gosh, yeah. I'm done. Like this is yeah. good. I'm no longer it a big attached to relationship. relationship. I'm not worried about his financial contribution to my." Living day to day, in the thick of it, it feels scary, right? Mm -hmm. You're attached to having child support or, you know, sharing financial responsibilities with that person. But over time, it's such a lovely relief
1: to realize you don't need that. You don't. And and I think you can begin to set new financial goals yourself. Yeah. And they might, like sure. I joke, about, Responsible I joke about in my book, you know, when you, you're setting up for the first time again yourself as a single parent, yeah. um, IKEA becomes your friend, you know, because you've got to furnish things and you want to do it cost effectively. You don't need to bow everything because that's the other thing. Setting goals for yourself is quite different to setting goals with someone else because you've got more views being, you know, taken into the picture. Yeah. And the reason why I keep talking about the personal finance village is to try and remove as much emotion from these decisions as possible, because this stuff is really hard. Yeah. And so you want, uh, and you can have sure, the sounding board doesn't need to be a paid accountant or a paid lawyer. It could be a family friend who is qualified in these particular areas, mm-hmm. who's happy to have a coffee with you, and you can say, Look, this is what I'm thinking about. What do you think? And trying to step away from the emotional baggage, if you like, of the relationship and perhaps your history with money because our relationship to money factors in pretty heavily here. And that's Absolutely. why i talk about that sort of financial security for me was always really important. The first thing I did actually, which I, mean, I guess I'm an accountant, so I've kind of got a high, high advantage here, but I went out and made sure I, my, all my life insurance was at the right level so -hmm. that if something happened to me, the kids would be looked after. So I redid my will and made sure that my life insurance was all intact So because, you know, once you start to move down the path of then buying yourself a new house and taking on debt and all those things, it's overwhelming when it's just you. Absolutely. Like I know their dad's out there somewhere, but what I just, I just need to make plans for our children because someone needs to. Yeah, my ex-husband could have been doing it. I don't know, but you're not going to talk about those things anymore. Okay. Um, but I do think that's the sort of real scene set, and that's why I like that kind of there is an op- a real opportunity to refresh and rebuild after a divorce that actually can be quite engaging and fun.
0: One hundred percent. Yeah, Absolutely. and I don't think it's that. bad. if
1: you if you have lived um of an affluent life, which Australians typically do, and it's halved when you when you get divorced or separated, it's just an opportunity for, for more creative living. Because the other thing is, you know, um something as simple as leaving work early one afternoon to pick up the kids and take them for an ice cream, which isn't going to break the bank, but you never did that in the marriage. It's just something, it's a real pleasure and it's kind of creative because it's not something you'd normally do. Other people yeah. might do it. I never did. But just being able to bust out of the sort of routine of the married life actually can be a really nice thing for you. And so you won't take the pleasure or joy in those small things. For sure. One of my
0: favourite areas of coaching people through separation and divorce is helping them see the positive, the- Positive options of building a life that's all their own. Yes. First, they have to get through the the grief of the, the marriage breaking up and being able to forgive and let go all of the baggage that comes with that. But at some point there's like just this glimmer of, oh, this could be quite fun building my life my way. Um, but there is obviously a lot of fear and worry around money. And let's talk about financial security. You've mentioned that a few times. What does that mean to you and your clients, especially when, you know, it's all feels like it's turned to shit? <laughs> like there's no security anymore. It's gone. Like the, the mountain of, of stuff we were building together, whatever
1: stage that was at, is no longer mine to claim. So no. when it all goes to custard, I think the most important thing is the reset of the financial goals. So, you know, I talk about living within your means, so yeah. your new means are adjusted. you mm-hmm. got to realise that. You really have to be um, clear yes. on what your new baseline of costs are. So I talk about the open the front door. Mm-hmm. But this is all progressive, right? There's quite a journey to making the decision that your relationship is over, having the conversation, then going through the process of separation and then divorce and then contemplating exits from homes and bedrooms and... um arrangements you won't have cash initially you know no one does so you probably have to rent something as a temporary option yeah. then you contemplate when you're feeling strong enough do I then buy a house all of that so it's quite I mean it's years right that's the other right. thing it does take a while but if you're unhappy start sooner <laughs> you know get moving on it N- knowing that you will be fine
0: yeah indeed yeah.
1: and, uh, and uh, that how, can one, how can someone trust that
0: how can we trust and believe yeah. that we will be fine
1: 'Cause we're in the business of living. I say this to one of my kids oh. often. We're in the business of living. So we will make it work. Beautiful. And, and actually, if you ended up in a you come from a five bedroom home in the suburbs and you end up in a two bedroom, God knows what, but you will make it work. You yeah. will cook a lovely meal or you will have a lovely um like I had bean bags. I never had had bean bags since I was a kid. But yeah. I had been my rental, you know, just little fun things. Um yeah. Had cuddly toys. I mean, the kids were younger then. Um, there were little things like that that we'll be able to do that just brought that little bit of joy. And if it it's just-
0: extremely mm-hmm. resilient humans, aren't we? Yeah, we they as you know, extremely. You know,
1: the Friday night movie took on a whole new and and funny. I'll, I'll share this with you, which is not so much about blended families or divorce or anything, but when we were coming out of COVID, one of my sons, who's a mad um, follower of, um, oh gosh, uh, the all of those movies, uh, Spider-Man and... The Avengers or... All of that, right. that whole franchise crew. When yeah. they started coming out, he would text us as a family and say, I'm going to go see X, do you want to come? And so I started to go to the movies with my boys again in their sort of late teens, early 20s. Beautiful. And, and, that was just a, and that was just a real pleasure and it's something yeah. we hadn't done for a long time. And I found being at home as a single mum with my boys, just those little bits of choosing a movie together... And it was anything, it didn't matter, but we just sat, just uh, it seemed like I was able to be more present yeah. as a divorcee. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, I agree. Really.
1: Um. And Anyway, you want to take those opportunities, but you will be fine, I think is the bottom line here. Yeah, beautiful, I love that. But you do <laughs> need to reset financial goals, Becca, and I think for people to say, here's what I earn, here's what my outgoings are first, what are my goals? Like, for example, the first thing might be I'm going to take the kids on a holiday. Now, yeah. It may no longer be the splashy trip to Hawaii or even Fiji. Hawaii. It might be a car trip to Orange. I don't know. It doesn't <laughs> matter, but you'll find the joy in actually planning that and taking the kids somewhere they haven't been, you know. And yeah. if there's a school there, even better.
0: <laughs> um let's talk about values a little bit because when when we set goals, one of yes. the areas that I work with clients is to help them revisit their values and actually revisit their strengths as well. Because values that you have in a partnership may be compromised, because ultimately, you're, you know, it's the the family values. But then when you're on your own, again, it's worth revisiting and deciding actually, what's important to me? What do I want to create my life to be around? And do you find do you work with your clients then or do you find that values are an
1: important way to towards
0: setting goals? What What are your thoughts around that?
1: Yeah, look, I, I think it's really critical to understand what your values are. It's more like what are the principles I live by? Mm. And I, I do get people to reflect on that more in the sense of what's going to be unique or special about this next part of their journey in life, really. So what are the things that really mattered to them? And sometimes they are quite significant things that have caused relationship breakdown as well. So how do they structure their life around um, those particular values? And, and look, it could be. And the other thing is um, lifestyle, there's a big part of your value system, right? Yes. I think it does shift as well. So you think of the spend, I talk about relationship to money all the time. So what's your money story? And this goes back to, for example, when you were growing up, did your parents save? Were they spend thrifts? Uh, how have you acted as an adult? How have you role modelled in the relationship around money to kids as well? And so, how do you adapt that money story for your kids now? So, how do you role model for your kids? Is that, I mean, that's is that one of your values? Is probably the first question. But the other mm-hmm. one is, how can you positively role model financial well-being to your kids yeah. post-divorce? Yeah, so what can you demonstrate? And and you know, we ultimately get the comparisons in households so uh i remember um you know the different things in the cupboard the pantry the shopping dad was shopping at aldi i was shopping at coles um there were different products there was um, more processed food but lovely package colorful packages and things at one house and not at the other house and there's not snacks and you know all of those things are quite tricky to navigate through and you've got to decide what your values are about nutrition for example yeah Yeah, true you can uphold that at your home, and if the kids are going somewhere else, then so be it. Uh, but when they come home, they know that they can count on quality food, good nutrition. mum's yeah, Your home, everything. your rules. Yeah. 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 So we said uh, we had to have to. We actually had to have a whole set of rules for our house. The first one was keeping your hands and feet to yourself. <laughs> 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 That's probably gonna sound really funny to people. No kicking. When you have young boys, oh my god, they could not sit on the couch. Two of our five boys were diagnosed ADHD, actually. Oh, actually oh, almost wow. three. So not blood brothers, as in stepbrothers had ADHD. Um, and they could not sit on the couch still. And so when when they get on the couch to all watch some crazy movie or something, one could not help but put his feet onto another, and then there'd just be a brawl. Anyway, touching um, me. <laughs> the three, the positive parenting program. We spent a whole lot of time getting, to, in terms of blending, working out yeah. how to raise these boys in a relatively People. sane environment. Yeah.
0: So, yes.
1: First rule was, um, yes. No kidding, Hands and yeah.
0: fists to, to yourself. We had. You it reminds me of a story when my children were really young, and I yeah. screamed at them. Yeah. We were in a very public place, and I was yelling out, "What's the number one draw in our family?" And they run, they turned around, were like, "No licking." Awesome. <laughs> I can't believe That's I had funny. to say that out loud. I think loud ours is probably okay. Licking each other, like <laughs> just trying to piss the other one off, right?
1: Yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah. I love that. Okay. Well, yeah, ours would just couldn't help them to keep their hands in front of themselves. <laughs> This is so funny be kind was our other one because we had to say be kind. Be kind.
0: Kindness and, and adventure are, are values yes. in our home, right? So yes. that helps. How that impacts financially is we won't spend on eating out very often. But if it's a weird Cambodian restaurant that we haven't tried or a Nepalese restaurant, then that kind of plays into adventure. So we're going on an adventure. We're going to Nepal this week. Um, oh, fantastic. And that's how we, you know, if we can't get to Nepal and I actually was there in April and it was phenomenal, but the family wasn't there. You know, if we can't afford those great big adventures,
1: we find ways to still bring that into the family Um, I love that that's like the you know you think of the things that happened during COVID it was like the picnic at home thing yeah exactly you've got um, kids to bring them in everyone makes something and you all sit down together and eat it whatever it is whether it's popcorn and Kit Kats who cares But um, (laughs) somebody makes pesto toast or pasta and somebody else makes um, some other dish you know french toast whatever it is it's fried eggs scrambled eggs Uh, it's nice to be able to bring that together and again it comes down to what your values are and what you would like to create because I do say it's this you're recreating a new beginning for everyone not just yourself yeah and there can be uh, that can be fun and engaging for sure uh, but but it's a real rebuild isn't it yeah it is
0: and it's a and it's a mindset shift too from the from, from seeing what you've lost, from focusing on what was to focusing on what can be and what you're building. It's a, it's a real mindset shift and it's wonderful when you're able to take ownership of that and decide, make that an active decision. I'm not going to worry or reflect on what I've lost or make that my primary thought, you know, yes. share, but instead I'm going to start focusing on what we're building and what we're creating. That's not the same as grieving. Yes, you need to grieve, but it's what are you focusing on? What are you actually, you know, how are you going to spend your
1: mind share, really? Yeah. And I do Um, think it's really important to have good support around you because I think it gets missed a little bit. Uh, There's so much going on. For sure. You know, you remember working full time, managing, uh, going through, well, in my case, unfortunately, very acrimonious, spending a lot of time with affidavits and all of that, it sucks the absolute life out of you. So yeah. you do need to rebuild and have good people that you can talk to to help navigate your way out and, and let go of it. This is the sort of recognize the equal unhappiness bit and then let go. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, um, some wise person once said to me, you know, this thing things are happening for me, not to me. So yeah. this is happening for me, not to me. It's actually a really nice way of saying this is all like I couldn't be happier today because of those changes that I made sort of 10, 15 years ago, um, but at the time didn't feel like it. It was all just hard yakka.
0: Like it yeah, felt absolutely. Like
1: there are points when you go, should I just stay in this, rela-, you know, at a point do I just stay in this relationship? I know that my marriage breakdown became very mutual and I imagine most people's do. Most people become mutual for one reason or another, especially if someone turns up one day and says, I don't like X, Y, and Z, or they've got another partner on the side. Exactly, yeah. Um, Yeah. And I do see that happen a bit as well. Like I I, uh, work with families where there are other people introduced pretty early on and the decision, you know, it's almost like the um, nuclear family, whatever that is, is almost still intact, but it's not very real. There's not very real relationships going on there. Uh, and then there's another relationship struck up, you know, on the side of the marriage and then eventually it all implodes. Yeah, I I help clients in... Navigating their own emotions through that and trying to separate,
0: you know, and that that is a really challenging because you do need to feel the feelings. You just don't necessarily want to feel the feelings and explode in front of your children or take it out publicly or, you know, or put yourself in a doom scroll and search for that other person in social media or like you really need to pull yourself in. Yes, feel the feelings, but yeah,
1: the stuff. I mean, the pain of um, suffering is pretty extraordinary when I think about it. In fact. Um, I just remember, you know, for example, you get phone calls too from your ex-partner when the kids are with you, when you do want to have that blow up and you get off a phone call and all you want to say is what an asshole or yeah, whatever it is. Yeah. Um well, it gets Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I and I must admit, I what quietened a lot of that down for me was when I was in a new relationship and we were navigating a respectable past path with my partner's ex wife that um you start to go oh yeah that's so much better that way how can I not to be this way I mean you can't always um some people just cause that tension or friction but
0: Well, you can't control or necessarily affect how somebody else behaves, but you can control and affect how you behave. So, you know, getting off that phone call, just thinking about that, like, Oh my God, what an asshole. (laughs) Um, You know, there was a point there where for me, it was completely all consuming, like the, the worry, the fear, the ugliness, the anger. And yes, the children are around for a lot of that. So I needed to, Put it aside and I created an appointment in my partner's calendar as well. It's like at 9 o'clock tonight we're spending 10 minutes and we're going to shelve all of this like stuff that's been uh, bothering me all day, Mm. 10 minutes of like, oh, my God, I can't believe I have to go through this, but it's not in front of the children. And it's really contained rather than all day.
1: Yeah, which is, I mean, it's great if you can be adult enough to do that. Maybe the other thing too, Becca, we haven't talked about is what I do see is people in really unhappy relationships who stay together for the kids. Yeah. Um, And like I know with my father-in-law, again, from my first marriage, he wanted to break up, leave his wife. Um. So my children's grandparents, uh, from get go, and the GP. This is back in the days when the bloke goes into the GP and says, oh, "I've had enough of her," and he says, "Well, no, you need to stay together for the kids." Yes.
0: Right? I just think, we're not I in think a toxic
1: relationship is yeah. It? That's, that's what I was going to say.
0: What,
1: and I know. see people do it now, and I think people the, again the fear. So senior professional women in really unhappy relationships that a possibly don't want to deal with the thing that's coming but not recognizing that the longer impact on the kids their development their relationships in the future is really significant because what you it's like the behavior you walk past is the behavior you accept that's right that's what your kids are recognizing in relationships as well it's frightening actually how many people think they're doing the right thing by the kids and oh my goodness the stuff that comes out and I'm dealing with families now where parents have stayed together the kids are 40 yeah. And the bitterness around uh, their relationships in their marriages but because of their issues with their parents
0: Who is, is
1: coming yeah. out now and I see it in front of their kids, which is the grandchildren, it's like, oh, you know. Um, anyway, I'd encourage I people. I also
0: just think that you've got one beautiful life to
1: live. Why you do, do
0: markets suck? Yeah. Who, yeah.
1: Look? no. no. <laughs> you need to reach out to people and talk to them and confidentially, if it's you, myself, whoever they're calling, pick up the phone and have a chat to someone and navigate a path. People can absolutely help you navigate a path through this. It's ugly at a point, but it doesn't need to be. It can be measured. Uh, it can be, you know, you can plan for it. You can you can certainly um, arrange to, to make it work as best as possible and then look forward to a brighter future where you can be yourself.
0: Yeah, and it's hard to
1: imagine that. Like when you're... In that deep,
0: dark, ugly place and you know that you don't want this, it can be really hard to vision what could it look like otherwise. But I certainly encourage anyone who's listening now to think what could it look like because the more you can imagine it, the more it can actually be a reality. The more we can picture ourselves living a beautiful, happy life, the more we create that for ourselves. Yeah,
1: I think there's two sides to it too. We're not saying anybody who's unhappy, oh, get out. I think the key thing is if you've done all the work on the relationship, absolutely. Have you, have you genuinely invested yourself? Have you genuinely been in marriage counselling, had your own form of therapy so that you can, you're clear on.
0: For your own baggage, absolutely.
1: Yep, and then make the decision. But I think it's the ones who are sitting on the fence perhaps uh, where the greatest risk is to the kids and their future relationships, which in turn will be your daughters and son-in-laws and your grandchildren. So Get on board, people.
0: <laughs> now, um, we, we touched on people staying for the children.
1: What about people who are staying for the money? Oh, well, that uh, I see that more. So yeah. I actually, sadly, I see that much more. Uh, and I think the distance between uh, potential, and it seems more often than, more often than not uh, that it is still women who may have stepped out of the workforce for a small period of time um, who stay in the relationship because of the money, mm-hmm. and/or they've actually let they've sort of leaned out, as I would coin, mm-hmm. uh, leaned out. So from a career perspective, they've let the partner run with the career, and they've just not either developed or advanced their career because the because the money is good and things are, are working. You know, I get to do, I get to play with, the, with the things I want to um, play with, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, but I do see it a lot, and it is. What it is doing is uh, one of the biggest issues we have in Australia is our lack of uh, just our financial knowledge um, is deteriorating. Uh, Our financial literacy in Australia is actually going backwards at quite a rate. Really? And so the longer you stay in a relationship that's more for the money, you're already, I am sure, delegating off financial responsibility. You aren't actually taking into consideration at all so women in their 60s and 65 year olds who are homeless now Mm -hmm. because they went through a divorce or separation um their super wasn't enough like this is a really serious issue in our country that could still be you right because you it's going to be very tricky to stay married right through into your 60s if you're unhappy in your 40s and you think you're focusing on the money now you'll be much happier in life with a whole lot less money I guess that's the thing nobody realises at the time either. Can I be happier with less? Because you haven't had to deal with it, you don't know. But I think very quickly you become much happier with less because you're happy in yourself. Is that your experience,
0: seeing your clients after separation and divorce, even though they have less assets, less money, that they're actually happier? And
1: Yes, I think that financial independence does wonders for people. Yeah. And actually there are other things in relationships that I talk about, financial infidelity, which is a really common uh, thing that happens in relationships where one or the other partner isn't open about how they spend money or they have money set off on the side. Okay. But I also see financial abuse in relationships. That's a really serious issue in Australia. In fact, it's illegal in all states except it's considered domestic violence in all states except New South Wales, but I think it will come into legislation soon here. Oh, gosh, I feel
0: like we need to unpack that in a whole other uh, conversation, but we could certainly touch on it. Maybe we have a follow-up as well, like a part two. (laughs) Um, Let's, rather than going down the financial abuse space and Mm -hmm. just uh, ding, 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 maybe I'll get you to come into my membership and do a whole session on financial abuse. But let's talk about about financial infidelity. You mentioned people having a pocket of money Yes. I always, like my mum has told me since I was little, always have some runaway money and it's, I have no
1: issue yeah. with that. So how I that? I've got a, I've got a great story. <laughs> Go on. I've got a great story actually. And, and if you've got that account, as long as your partner knows, I think that's the most important thing, okay? I'm not sure. I have you know a, a great, well, so let's talk about right. that. One right. of the things that's really important in relationships is people having joint accounts,
0: mm-hmm. joint bank
1: accounts, and there is some statistics that will demonstrate that people who have joint bank accounts, relationships last longer than those who don't, okay. <laughs> um, if, that's, if that's anything to go by. But financial infidelity occurs when people in relationships aren't open about their spending habits, their gambling habits, could yeah. be their drug habits, um, could be another account, could be an extra credit card. Um, it's like, you know, when you're at home and the door keeps ringing with packages arriving and you didn't order them. And, like, at what point in time has there been alignment in your household about our spending? Okay. So it can be small, but at some point if you've set a financial goal which is we're going to be mortgage or debt-free by a certain date or we're not going to rely on credit cards or whatever it might be, and how do you Outside of that goal, then... Yeah. you keep looking at the bank balance going, God, geez, honey, what? We, just never, we can never seem to get there.
0: One of the things I talk to my clients about in the separation piece is agreeing that level of expenditure without uh, the other person's permission pre-asset division. So one of the separation agreements needs to include how much can you spend without asking the other person, right? So can you spend $500 on a handbag or out of your joint bank account or out of the assets that you've created together, or do you need to be able to ask for you know 50 dollars for some makeup like where is the level mm. um because agreeing that before the division of assets means that you're not going to make or you're not going to let them make irresponsible decisions and you're not going to be allowed to make irresponsible decisions that reduce the pool of
1: what is ultimately going to be divided anyway yeah so I, I think, think that's a great about, point Becca, yeah. because you come back to saying what what are what are my needs Yeah. The needs and wants aspect of that as well. But actually, understanding what your needs are in that approach is really important. Yeah. 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 Not like also coming back to that equal unhappiness.
0: Not like, well, my my needs are to maintain the lifestyle that I have had in this. My nails
1: and my spray tan and my hair and my gym membership and my this and my that, my private trainer. And yeah. yeah. Not not all that because you can't have that in our new resized life.
0: Exactly. When I re- very, very recently separated, one of my closest girlfriends gave me this like home manicure kit as a as a gift. And ah, I was
1: that's right. Like, oh, okay. Ew! Yeah. <laughs> I hate it. I love that. I think that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. You should actually, you should actually issue that. Well, to all of my your needs. clients, male and female. Yeah. Um, yeah, as a parting, as a thank you gift for them being your clients. <laughs> here's to your new life yeah exactly no
0: more no more expensive manicures for you do it yourself
1: no but uh, sorry and we sort of went a bit off track on the financial infidelity um yeah. one of the things too uh, in planning that aspect of the separation i think is you want to break out from having your former partner be across your spending right for so sure i'm talking about financial for infidelity sure. in relationships where people aren't open and honest they don't join you need to jointly set goals in relationships, jointly set financial goals or other life goals. They all tend to come back to financial because it's pretty hard to spend six months in Europe or not work or work without having a conversation that's got money behind it, right? That's right. That's right. Um, I, I also think that setting expectations around your baseline of spending that's needed post separation, um, there's a bit where you just want to keep a bit to yourself in the sense of who am I going to be going forward Mm -hmm. yeah I I don't know quite how you how to put that best but um there are going to be changes and you might not know what they are right now
0: no no
1: you might want to study again you might want to read books you haven't read in 15 years whatever it is um they're changes that as a financially independent person you can make yeah, I learned
0: way more about finances post separation than it, the
1: entire 40 years prior. Yes. It was
0: necessary.
1: Yes. And, and I think, Becca, I'm trying to encourage everyone to take, as I said, sort of financial responsibility now. Doesn't matter where you're at in relationship Absolutely. life, whether you're 20, 50, 70, 85. Take responsibility now. Don't delegate financial matters to someone else. And if you are thinking about a separation, then you damn well better speed up your knowledge and skills. Go to that personal finance village to ask them for help. Um, to make sure that you've got all your ducks in a row about where things are at, because you or can create get,
0: that personal finance village if you that's haven't. Right. Speak that's to exactly an insurance right. broker. Speak yeah. to your yeah.
1: It'll feel uncomfortable at first. It's like buying your first car or buying a second-hand car the first time you've done it can be really overwhelming. You just need to do your research. That's right. Yeah, ask good questions. Amazing, mm.
0: Jackie. I'm going to wrap up. I'm definitely going to have you back. We're going to talk about financial abuse and financial infidelity and and all kinds of things. Before we finish, is there anything that you would? I mean, knowing that you've worked with some of the wealthiest families in Australia, have you got any worst case or best case you can tell us about? Like, I'm getting a bit gossipy, but is there obviously related to separation and divorce, what's the worst behavior you've seen or the best behavior?
1: Ah oh, I the list of the worst there's too many to list. When I think about divorce, the worst things, actually the bigger issues are when people die, to be honest, and that the skeletons are in the closet, kids from other marriages or other relationships those types of things, people just not having their affairs in order actually at the other end, yeah, leave uh, just a smattering of disaster um, when they haven't planned or properly communicated. So I, I think for everyone, funny. it's getting your house in order and you do that through this process, probably the best. It's a really good um, drawing a line in the sand in your life uh, where you are going to rebuild but actually pausing and saying I'm going to now create a life first, first as a single person, um, yeah. and whatever yeah. comes from there. But you need to protect yourself as well. Yeah. So asset protection is something. I've seen some wealthy families where they've had prenuptial agreements in place that have been very effective and very clean cut. And all that the spouse wants to say is but 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 but. It's like sorry, you've got a prenup. And I would in- I encourage my wealthy families, every generation of wealth, to have prenups. Okay, so that it is really clear cut, um, but. For everyone, I think the most important thing is you just got to be across this stuff. Yeah, fabulous. And if you're not today and you're not thinking about getting divorced, still got to do it. You've yeah, yeah, exactly. So just yeah. a
0: reminder for everybody to pick up your book. Stop worrying about money. Is there, yeah. Is there any other? Do you have free downloads on your websites? Is there any mm-hmm. other way people can speak to you? Let us know. How's what does that look like? How can people find you?
1: Thanks, Becca. On my website, JackieClark.me, uh, I have all the templates that are in the book downloadable there. Um, so it's great, sort of right from getting your house in order through to a couple of the challenges I've put out in the book. They're all um, downloadable on the website. So, and you can connect with me directly on Instagram, JackieClark00 uh, Facebook, you name it. I'm out and about LinkedIn. Amazing. Thank you. I'm going to put those
0: links in the show notes as well. So people can easily find a link to your book, a link to your free downloads and follow you on Instagram. And we will have to do a live there too as a follow-up, I think.
1: Yeah, that would be great. Yeah. Yeah, Amazing. Thanks, Jackie. Thanks, Becca.
0: Thanks for listening. I hope you took something of value out of this episode. I'm your host, Becca Maxwell, and you can find me on the web at dodivorceright.com or on Instagram at Do Divorce Right. I look forward to connecting with you there.